This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Welcome to Mom and Mind, where we dive into all aspects of perinatal mental health and wellness related to pregnancy, birth, loss, postpartum, and new parenthood. It's so much more than postpartum depression. We raise the volume on all of these topics in the hopes that someday everyone will have the support and info that they deserve before they need it. Please note this podcast is not a replacement for treatment by a professional or professional training. The Mom and Mind podcast has been a passion project for me, absolutely, for the past three years. It's been an honor to go on this journey with you and have you be a part of the Mom and Mind community. In an effort to keep our podcast strong and growing, I've now set up a Patreon page for the Mom and Mind podcast. What's a Patreon? It's basically crowdfunding, a donation platform where you can help move this podcast forward so we can continue to get these awesome episodes out to you and all of the other moms and families who deserve to know that they are not alone. Contributions can range anywhere from $2 a month up to $25 a month where you can become part of the Mom and Mind Collaborative, where as a professional, we can brainstorm together on how to get all of our voices for perinatal mental health out into the world. Come check it out at patreon.com slash momandmind. We would love to have your support to keep this mission going strong. Welcome to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. I had this really interesting realization a couple days ago. I was in a room of people and introduce myself. And I often introduce myself as Katiun Kayeni, which is my full name. And a while later, someone came up to me and had put two and two together and said, oh, you're Dr. Kat. And then I had that realization that this happens quite often because I go by Dr. Kat so frequently, people don't associate my full name with me. But my full name, Katiun Kayeni, is something I'm actually really proud of. And, you know, I have mixed reactions from some people really want me to go by my full name only and really just make sure that other people pronounce it correctly and honor my full name and all of that, which I love. And I really appreciate the sentiment. And also going by cat is really a lot easier. So anyhow, I just wanted to put that out there and maybe I'll be sprinkling in my full name to these episodes here and there just to make sure people aren't confused. When you see my name, it's always spelled out as Katiun Kayeni and something I'm really proud of, but Dr. Kat is catchy and a lot easier. So moving right along, our guest today, Jen Gaskell, is coming on to talk about her story and how she got through postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. I'm really glad that she wants to bring these topics to 
the Mom and Mind podcast and very specifically to talk about rage because it's one of those symptoms, one of those things that we don't hear about a lot. And a lot of people who experience this rage feel overwhelmed by it and confused by it, but it does come along with anxiety and depression. Not for everybody, but certainly it can be scary when these really intense feelings come up. So she's going to share her story, how she noticed what was going on for her, how she got help and healing, and now how she has made it through her experience to support other moms. Jen is a quality professional that works full-time outside of the home. She and her husband live outside of the Milwaukee area in Wisconsin with their two daughters, ages 8 and 11. Jen used writing and her blog to help her navigate her journey through postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. She was a former co-producer of Listen to Your Mother Milwaukee, where she was part of the inaugural Milwaukee cast telling her story of PPD. She's written for Postpartum Progress and was a member of their editorial team for three years. Jen was a Climb Out of the Darkness team leader for Milwaukee, Wisconsin for four years. She helps lead a Facebook group of local moms who've been through postpartum mood disorders. And she recently became a PSI helpline volunteer. So let's meet Jen. Welcome, Jen. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Dr. Kapp, for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Well, I'm excited that you're here, too. We've kind of touched base on the internets and social media, (laughs) and I know you've been really active in the perinatal mental health community, and I'm really honored that you'd like to share your story with us. Very, very my pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. Sure. So, yeah, I'll let you start wherever you'd like to start about your story. Sure. So I experienced postpartum depression and anxiety with the birth of my youngest, who's now eight years old. At the time, I didn't realize it, but I struggled with anxiety throughout the pregnancy. And it really kind of culminated was around Mother's Day. So she was born on October, so she would have been about seven months, was when I realized that I had been basically anxious for almost a year and a half. I wasn't feeling like myself. I just felt like I was going through the motions and like, I need to do something. I need help, right? Like, where do I go? Who do I talk to? So I went online, right? I Googled, Mm -hmm. Googled postpartum depression and, you know, like, what are the symptoms? And at that postpartum progress had the, you know, one of the symptoms of postpartum anxiety. So I like basically printed everything off and put a check mark, right? Mm-hmm. What are all the symptoms I'm having? Okay. Pretty sure it's anxiety. So the hospital I delivered at actually gave us a pamphlet and they had a parents group that was like, they called it Beyond the Blues, like a postpartum support group. So you could go there and there was a lactation consultant who was also a doula and she'd also been certified through PSI that kind of led that group and there was also a social worker an LCSW who was affiliated with that so I was like oh where is this person mm-hmm. oh my goodness they're 15 minutes from my house I, wow. I can okay so then the next call that I made was to my cousin who's actually a social worker herself in a different capacity. But I said, I'm not okay, right? And I started crying, I'm not okay. I think I have postpartum anxiety. What do I need to say to be seen as quickly as possible, but so that they won't take my kids away? 
because mm-hmm. she's a child forensic social worker, right? So she talks okay. to children all day, right? So she sees the yeah. bad side, right? Yeah. So I'm like, how do I get in? You know, well, are you thinking, you know, so she went through the list with me, you know, I'm not, don't want to hurt myself. I don't want to hurt the kids. I just want to stop feeling like this, right? Like feeling just miserable and anxious. And just like I, you know, I couldn't remember the last time I laughed. So I was able to make a call. And I think my therapist called me back the following day and she'd had a cancellation that week. And I want to say, I think I took a day off of work to go, or I'd already had a planned vacation day. And so I went and took the baby with me and saw her and had went to the group at the hospital first Mm -hmm. because it was more for like stay at home. And I just kind of sat there and didn't really say a whole lot. And then that kind of gave me the courage to like, since I was there and it was only about five minutes from the therapist's office. And then I went there and started to get treatment. And I think that was the biggest step was just making those first two phone calls, right? You don't realize how badly you're struggling. And when I talked to my husband, he was like, you know, whatever you need to do, whatever you need to do, but you haven't been yourself for such a long time. Mm. And to hear someone say that to you, it's just, you know, when kids are little, my oldest was three, you just feel like you're in survival mode. And you're like, well, this is normal. Everybody's stressed out. You know, I'm a bad mom. I should be able to handle two kids, right? Mm-hmm. That was the I thing that, that I'm all just, the time. Right? I'm just beating myself up. Like, come on. Your sister-in-law has twins. She has twins and she has two other kids. She's handling it fine. What is your problem? Like, what's my excuse? I can't ask for help from her or from, you know, all of our parents at that time were working. No one was retired. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we didn't want to be a burden there either. And you're like, well, we'll just do it. We can take care of it. We don't need a village. We'll just, <laughs> just keep saddling along. You know, oh, and no. it just... right. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs> well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. 
I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. You think about that. I think about that now and I was like, you just feel like you don't want to be a burden to people. Right. That's part of it, right? The anger, yeah. all of that stuff. Oh, so how did you know, finally, I guess, after seven months, what were the things that tipped you off? So it was a friend of mine was getting her yoga teacher certification. So I went to class, you know, what do you want to do on Mother's Day? I just want to go to this yoga class. And it was there mm. when I like sat in like relaxation pose that I was like, and I actually felt probably still that buzz of anxiety, but more relaxed than I'd felt in a really long time. Mm. And then just talking to her and I kind of remembered in the back of my mind, her talking about her own experience with postpartum depression with her oldest. Mm. And she was just really, you know, two kids. She was just very empathetic and reassuring. Like, you know, the transition is tough. You know, you are doing a wonderful job. And just, I think being with someone who I knew very well, who cared about me, I could say some of the things like, this is really hard. And I just feel like I'm not doing a good job. And to get that validation back, like, you know, you're doing a wonderful job and, you know, please take care of yourself. And, you know, that I think that that really also was the key that like, okay, you know, it is hard, but, you know, how hard is it supposed to be? And what am I doing to take care of myself? Right. You know, that was important. I mean, all of that, having somebody else who kind of sees you and can validate you and understand where you're at is just so important. Yeah. And I know that both my mom and my sister had you know, kind of said, well, if you're struggling, you know, make sure you reach out to your OB. And I was just like, I really like her, but I just was like, I wasn't sure that, I don't know. I don't know what I thought she would say if like to that point, nobody had asked me with either of my pregnancies, if I'd had any mental health issues in my past because mm-hmm. I had, so that was never in my record because I saw counselors outside of that that hospital system. So I was like, "Uh, she's just, you know, she's nice, but she's like super, I guess I would call her very business and very matter of fact. And I was like, she doesn't have kids. I don't know that, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know how she can relate, you know? So yeah, I don't know why I was reluctant to reach out to her. I don't know if I just didn't think she'd be able to provide me with information or if I just thought I would... Right. If sometimes you just get a feeling or sometimes the anxiety yeah. or depression makes you think certain like ways about right. asking for help. I don't know. And I think maybe too, it was because gestational diabetes during my pregnancy and with both pregnancies actually, but with this one, because I'd had it with my oldest, I basically started tracking my food right away. I was, you know, pricking my finger and, you know, basically making sure I was exercising the whole time and I submitted a food journal. And so I really got wrapped up in having a healthy baby and having a healthy pregnancy and 
I think that triggered a lot of my anxiety because, Mm -hmm. you know, you're really focused on what are your numbers, right? Because I didn't want to have to take medication. I didn't want to have to inject myself with insulin. I was terrified of that Mm -hmm. because we have a long family history of type 2 diabetes. So I'm kind of well aware of what that all entails. And I just, you know, if my numbers were bad, I was having a bad day, even though now the more that I've researched and found the diabetes online community, I was like, oh, just some women just develop that just because of the changes that your bodies go through. And some of us just metabolize insulin differently than others. And it's because you're pregnant and you can be doing everything right. And sometimes stress jumps those numbers up and it's not that you're doing anything wrong, but I felt Mm. Like I have to be perfect. You have to have a good pregnancy. Oh boy. Right. Right. Yeah. So the perfection is kind of like indicator. If then your numbers are bad, then you're bad kind of a thing. Yes. Yes. That I put a lot of focus on what your blood glucose numbers are. Cause in your checking it, I had to check it once in the morning after each of my meals. So after breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I think it was just four times a day, but I mean, that's, it's a lot. Right. It's a lot. And you're constantly thinking about it or having to manage something. Right. And, you know, well, you're pregnant. You should be able to eat for two. And I just, I wanted oh, to God. rip out chips from people's <laughs> hands. Right? <laughs> right. I was like, I just want chips and I can't really have chips. And Oof. yeah. Yeah. That's really hard. All right. So this started in pregnancy, the symptoms yes. of anxiety. That's what yep. Uh Yeah. Basically, as soon as I found out, I had the positive pregnancy test. I went to see my OB right away. And then I want to say two days later, I was in the office with the diabetes educator, getting a new monitor and getting a new test strips. Because they basically considered it then a high-risk pregnancy. Hmm. Right. So lots of stuff shifts after that. Yes. Okay. Right. And even the kind of term high risk, I mean, that's used across the board for anything that's high risk, even if it's not the highest risk, but sounds really bad. Yeah. And, you know, if you don't manage it, the baby could be like too big and, you know, they could have low blood sugar and, you know, all these risks. And it's like, I get it that they want you to be compliant, but I think they underestimate how naturally anxious some moms are. And if you're on the higher end, that makes you Mm -hmm. like just terrified. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that is real. Okay. So this is already in pregnancy. You can feel this kind of going. uh, Yes. Ideas there. And then how did that proceed? What other things did you notice during pregnancy or postpartum? The anxiety turning a lot into irritability. Which then I think once I was postpartum, it it then spiraled into the rage. Like I just felt like I was a failure. You know, everything set me off. You know, we could never get out the door on time. I always felt like I was running late to work and just just running, running all the time. Mm -hmm. And just, yeah, I I just hated pregnancy. (laughs) I was like, you know what? I'm done. I knew. Like, mm-hmm. I want this baby. This is a planned baby, but this is my last pregnancy. 
I had sciatica too, and I'd gotten the diastasis, what is it, the umbilical hernia. So my muscles were moving apart so much that I ended up with one of those. It almost looked to me like a girdle type thing, Mm -hmm. except that I couldn't really wear it to drive because Mm -hmm. it pressed right against my bladder. So, (laughs) right? So it was like, okay. Yeah, you're in physical pain. You're in emotional pain. Yeah. That's a lot. That's and I think I didn't really enjoy that that pregnancy as much, I think, because I was just, I was really worried about what it was going to be like to bring the second one into the family. And then I was stressed out because we were trying to get my oldest potty trained before her sister came. And because, you know, I'd heard all these stories about kids like completely regressing. And I'm like, I can't have two in diapers. I can't have two mm-hmm. in diapers. Mm-hmm. So. Right, there's a lot of pressure building. Yes. Yeah. Proud. So the anxiety you experienced also is this irritability and rage. Yeah. Can you, I don't know if it's possible, but I'm thinking for like both people who are out there who are like, I don't know, maybe I have irritability and rage or who don't know what it's like. Can you at all describe what the feeling is like? Oh my goodness. Yeah. So for the irritability, it would be like, the littlest things would irritate me, like, and I would get irrationally angry. Mm-hmm. So I could be from like zero to 60, and I could feel it usually in my face, right? That my face would get hot, mm-hmm. my ears would get hot. I would just yell, or I would throw things. I'm pretty sure I broke several remotes. I, you know, it would be something like my husband forgot to wash the bottles or something, or he didn't, you know, put the bottle accessories back together. And that would just set me off. Like, I can't believe it did that. You know, and I would just, mm-hmm. just yelling. And I think one of the indicators too, was I got so mad at him one time over something really silly. And I pushed him something that I've never done in my life mm-hmm. before. And in front of the three-year-olds, which mm-hmm. I think at that point, that was probably another key indicator that like something is really wrong. Because mm-hmm. I, you know, you tell your little one, no pushing, gentle yeah, touches, sure. right. nice touches, right? And here your parent basically throwing a temper tantrum. I mean, that mm-hmm. the, what it felt like that I couldn't control it, that mm-hmm. it just consumed me. But I couldn't tell you where it would come from or what would set me off. And so I think that that's the scary part, right? Because you're like, oh my gosh, I'm just, I'm a horrible person. I'm mm-hmm. awful mm-hmm. because I'm angry all the time. Why am I angry all the time? You know, just... Like I really felt like nothing could bring me joy. And that was really when I got diagnosed that it was, you know, it was the anxiety. And then that anxiety and that rage, you know, kind of led to that depression because then you start feeling guilty and shame and you, mm. you know, just keep perpetuate that cycle of just beating yourself up over oh, and over sure. again. Right. That is a really hard place to be mentally, emotionally. Because yeah. it's hard to know how to get out of it. I mean, yes. it's not like you would have been out of it if you already knew how. Right, right. And I think that was really, you know, once I could recognize some of those signs and like know when you have to take a break or what are things that would trigger me, you know, like through recovery that it was like, oh, okay, I'm overstimulated or, you know, this is really affecting me. I need to take a break, right? I felt like because I worked 
full time outside of the home, I felt like I shouldn't be taking a break from my family. Mm-hmm. That I should be with them twenty four seven all the time, and that I should, you know, cherish and love every moment ah. of it when I wasn't there. You know, again, right. the guilt, the guilt, and I think it was like realizing that no, you know, therapy, spending time in, you know, that hour. And she would have me do like mindfulness breaks where you're just like laying down, doing yoga again, just, okay, you know, you can take a pause, you know, you don't have to react to everything. I think that really helped me learning a lot of the different mindfulness tools. And then once I got diagnosed too, I'm kind of a research junkie. So Mm -hmm. I was like, they're flagging me because I read like literally every book I can find postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. Um. Yeah. Anything that was out there, I read. Mm-hmm. Because it was like, I want to understand and I want to find stories. And I was online looking at blogs. And that really helped me like, oh my gosh, this is normal. Mm-hmm. And people get better. And here are some of the things they've tried. Here are things people have done. And that was really kind of the catalyst for me saying like, okay, I know what it is. I know what some of the causes are. I'm, you know, in therapy, taking medication, and then here are some of these examples of things I can do to like, you know, what do I like to do when I'm not with my kids, right? Like, I'm not just a mom, you know? So that part really sounds like it fed into that irritability that what you were describing before that you're supposed to be on all the time. Yes. Um, Yeah. And I think it was because, you know, I'm very extroverted So it never occurred to me, I guess, even with the first one, it never occurred to me that even though I'm an extrovert and I love being around people, sometimes I need alone time for my family. And it just, you know, because I was always with my parents and my sister when I was little and I loved being around all my cousins. Mm -hmm. It just, for some reason, I didn't make that connection that, you know, parenting and being a wife, that's, you know full time, just a lot of responsibility and that you need to take some time for yourself. But I just, yeah, it was really now that I do that and I'm more intentional about it. It's amazing the difference, right? And I just, I wish I could go back to that younger version of myself and say, you know what? You don't even have to go anywhere. Maybe you just want to sit in your car (laughs) for like 10 minutes and just sit in your car and just sit. Yeah. Totally fine. All that like internal pressure to do and be your best all the time is exhausting and impossible. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm. I call myself a recovering perfectionist. Mm. Yeah. Yep, yep. It's very much the case. That it's hard yes. to let go of all that stuff. It is. Or find it some is. other way to, mm, to move through life. Yeah. Because I think when your patterns or, you know, how you've defined yourself get so established that you're like, no, this is just how I do things. And Mm -hmm. like, well, no, it wasn't, it's not sustainable anymore. And I think that was one of the key takeaways I had from therapy was that, you know, what am I, you know, exhausting myself for, you know? Right. So in terms of your kind of healing through this, I mean, there was a lot of self-exploration and discovery of ways that you were coping. It sounds like that you didn't really need anymore. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would say blogging really helped a lot just to get it out there out of my head. Oh, nice. Um, and journaling, because I think, you know, when it was the 
write down your like your internal monologue, it was like, well, I would never say this to my friends, right? Like I'm really beating up on myself and why, you know, give myself some grace. Mm-hmm. I think that really helped me because the more I was writing and to have someone come back and say, oh my gosh, I felt the same way. Mm-hmm. And when I reached out to a woman online in particular, was a fellow mom blogger, was from Canada who had written about rage. And when I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like failure. I don't know mm-hmm. what's going on. And the fact that she took time and like wrote me this really beautiful email that I believe I have still saved it all these years later because it was something that was such a touchstone to, you know, virtually meet other people that might not have been local to me, but were going through the same thing at around the same time. And so then, you know, you're not alone and you're like, okay, I have a community, even if I don't have a local community, Mm -hmm. because I think it took me a while to feel comfortable talking about what I've been through. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I think it just, when you're in it, I just wasn't really able to express what I was going through until I'd really been in therapy for probably several months and felt comfortable mm-hmm. enough. You know, I kind of like outed myself to, you know, my parents and <laughs> then my in-laws and, you know, my sister-in-law and my sister, you know, it's kind of a gradual coming out process to, you know, tell people what was going on. And no one knew. A lot of them did not. I said, other than maybe my mom and my sister who sensed that something they couldn't really know, but they knew just I wasn't doing well, but they couldn't really put their finger on it. But sure. a lot of people were like, oh, I would have never known you were struggling at all. It seemed like you had it all together. Wow. Yeah, that says a lot to me about how hard moms who are struggling are actually working. Right. It takes so much effort for people to not know what's going on outside of you, you know? Yes. And it's exhausting. It just kind of feeds the beast also. Yes. Because you're just more and more exhausted. Right. Uh, yeah. That is really, really speaks a lot to that. So you got to a point where you were comfortable sharing and you were yes. comfortable talking and yes. <laughs> that took you on its own journey. To tell yes, us, it did. Uh, yeah. So about um, that. So I happened to meet Alexandra Rosas. She was actually a PPD mom. She was, you know, like 16 or 17 years out from her experience. But I realized I was following this woman. She's hilarious. And I'm like, she must live near me. And then my sister-in-law told me about a mom's group where she was talking about new motherhood. And I said, oh my gosh, you met her? Yeah, she lives in Cedarburg. So I emailed her and said, I hope you don't think I'm a stalker, but I would really like to meet you in person. So we met at like a local Starbucks and it was just this great conversation. And then we just, she followed my blog. I was following hers and listened to your mother, which was, it's actually still going on, but kind of in a different capacity now. But it was this storytelling show that moms tell, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly of motherhood. And Mm -hmm. I had a theater background. I, that's how I met my husband. I was doing community theater, and I'd been looking at auditioning for Madison when Alexandra sent me a private message on Twitter and said, I want to bring Listen to Your Mother to Milwaukee. Are you in? And I said, yes. <laughs> I just see, like all caps, yes, because something that was creative brought me back into the theater world. Yeah. And then she said, you've got to tell your postpartum story. And I was like, okay. 
I think I can do it. And she's like, you can do it. You can do it. So she worked with me to kind of edit it down. And I remember like freaking out the day of the show because, you know, before in theater, that's you acting, your character. This was like the first time I was telling my story live on stage. And then it was going to be recorded and go live on YouTube. So it was kind of like that vulnerability hangover. So Mm -hmm. I got up there, I told my story and it was just amazing and freeing. And yeah. what ended up happening was that, so we did in Milwaukee for five years. And each year we had a postpartum depression story in it. Mm-hmm. And every person that was a part of the show after me, it was, you know, the one woman had seen me in it. And then she got up the following year to tell her story. It was like set off this great chain reaction, like, well, if she said it. And then I realized that there was a local group of moms. Like the more I told my story, it was like, oh yeah, a bunch of you know friends I knew had struggled with it. And it was just, wow. it was amazing. You know, the more vocal I got about it, the more I found people who would, you know, message me and say, me too, me too. And I think that really led me to like, you have to normalize this, right? Because, yeah. you know, I don't for my, you know, especially I have girls and mm-hmm. knowing that, well, maybe you could also be susceptible to hormonal changes during puberty and pregnancy and menopause. So it's really, you know, that I just start that we talk about that and just, well, you know, I said, mommy took patience pills because <laughs> I wasn't feeling well. So I went to a talking doctor and we talked about feelings and yeah. just, you know, I think really normalizing it for them so that you can be super mom and you can make mistakes and you can apologize. I mean, kids are so loving and forgiving and, you know, you lose your cool and you're like, I'm sorry. You know, all the thoughts that I had that, you know, I was screwing them up forever and Oh gosh. It's, you know, it's, I look back on that now and I'm like, I have great relationships. I mean, sometimes they drive me to the moon and I would, you know, yeah. Kids. Right. Go next door. Go play. But yeah, you know, I think it's really being able to explain feelings and talk about anxiety. And, you know, now even some of their TV shows that they watch are talking about it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was, we actually talked about what panic attacks look like because of an Andy Mack episode. They're like, do you know what that's like? I said, yeah, mommy had one. Mommy used to get them. Mm. You're like, really? And so it was another way to just use an example to go, well, this is what it's like. This is what it feels like. And here's what you can do if you ever have one. Or here's what you can do to help a friend if they have one. Right. Right? Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. 
Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So, join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. Wow. Just, you know, just the empathy. I think just realizing that everybody's just doing the best they can. Right. Parenting it, and we are all winging it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we absolutely are. <laughs> There's always going to be something where you're like, I, right? Where you text a friend or you text your sister and you go, has this ever happened to you? And what do you do? And sometimes right. you just shrug and you go, yeah, mm-hmm. I haven't seen that, but. <laughs> right. Or you text someone and say, please come get this kid. Right. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's all normal. Yes. Normal stuff. For normal. sure. Yeah. But I mean, that is such an amazing healing journey. You know, obviously I'm so sad and sorry for moms who go through this and for your experience too. And also this, sometimes this really beautiful stuff happens as a result. Yeah. It really just, you know, being able to do listen to your mother for as long as you did and the, just the power of storytelling, even the stories that didn't make it to the stage were still like, just as powerful. I mean, so many of them. There's so many stories. So many. I mean, I just remember like we'd have to bring Kleenex because there were just so many touching Mm -hmm. and moving stories. And just to hear, you know, someone say me too, or somebody, you know, just thank you for your story. And it's just, yeah, it's that you can, there are pieces of everyone's story that you, everybody has a story to tell and share and that, you're not as different as you think you are from someone else. You can find a common thread or a commonality in everybody's story. Totally. I'm a much better listener now from that project. I can tell you. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. So with all that you've been through, I mean, I heard throughout you talking about this, some really hopeful messages for moms. And I'm specifically thinking about a mom who's like maybe first identifying or hearing that or at least relating to this idea of rage and irritability and anxiety and depression. What do you say to those moms? What I would say is that, you know, it's not you, right? The voices inside your head that tell you that you're a bad mom, that it's the depression talking, right? Like a lot of us that were on the PPD chat on Twitter back in the early 2000s, we gave that persona in your head a name. We called her Velma, right? Like Velma's being a jerk today because it's a way to visualize what is happening in your brain and how, you know, those negative thoughts, you know, and that you can usually tell, like, I just don't feel like myself. Mm -hmm. Trust that instinct and, you know, 
go to postpartum support and international. You know, there's no form line. There are coordinators who can find you resources. There's support groups. There's, you know, there's so many women out there who've been through it and who, you know, once you get through an experience like that, I think I always felt like it's like the Marines. We don't want to leave a, another mom behind. We know somebody's out there right. and they reach out. I want to grab that hand and say, totally. I can help you. What do you need? What are you looking for? Do you just need somebody to text you? You know, you just need someone to talk to, right? Right. You know, what can we help you with? Because I think it can be so isolating, but then once you realize that there are more people out there and how common it is, then you feel less alone. And I think that the power of that community, either online or in person, is it's huge. Yeah, it really is. It just gives you that sense of it's not just me and I'm not a bad person and this is normal, it's common, it's treatable, mm-hmm. it's not going to be like this forever. You know, you will get better. You know, recovery is, it's not always, you know, straight, steady, up a hill. You know, right. there's lots of, it's a journey. It's, va- you know, there's valleys, yeah. peaks and valleys, but, you know, that you do come through the other side and that you find healing and hope and you can really take that experience and, you know, let it kind of transform you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and sharing your healing journey too. And it's so important for all of us to know that, you know, things could be really hard, can be really hard and that you can get better, especially from all of this. And just like you were saying, sharing your story is so powerful And for someone out there right now who's listening is hearing your story and having hope. And that's what this is about. That's why we need your story. And I'm so grateful that you came on to share. Thank you so much for having me. I just love the work and all the different things that I'm learning on the podcast because it helps me in my work, you know, as just a maternal mental health advocate and helping other moms, you know, just so that you know that there's hope. There's always hope and, you know, not to give up that hope because you will get better. You will get better. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on with us. Thank you. Thank you again, Jen, so much for coming on and sharing your story. I just know that so many people are going to be able to relate to this. And again, it's so important for us to hear other people's stories because really it can be hard. It can be hard to listen, but it also gives so much hope. You can go read Jen's blog at tranquilamama.wordpress.com. Find her on Twitter and Instagram at Jen Renpody or Facebook at Tranquila Mama blog. And you can see Jen talk about her story on the YouTube clip from Listen to Your Mother. We'll have that in the show notes as well. And thank you all again so much for being with us and listening to the Mom and Mind podcast. I invite you to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't yet. That way you can get all of these episodes downloaded directly to you. Wherever you listen to this podcast from, you can just find their subscribe button. And it's as easy as that. Thanks so much for being with us. Until next time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please share this podcast. Together we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Come connect with us at momandmind.com. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. 
I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.